Welcome to the Changemakers Podcast, brought to you by City Current and powered by Lipscomb and Pitts Insurance. This show shares personal stories and insight from those who are giving back and making a difference so we can learn and do the same. We cover life lessons, business advice, passion, and purpose. Now here's our host, Jeremy Park. Welcome to the Changemakers Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Park. We're in for an international treat for this episode. So someone who literally has traveled all over the world being an inspiration. We have Cameron Brown. He's an international keynote speaker, a high-performance coach, and he's just returned from delivering the closing talk at Italy's largest TEDx event. He loves helping people step up to their next level of excellence and showing what's possible when we tap into our limitless potential. Obviously, a Perfect, perfect episode, a perfect topic for change makers. Cameron, how are you doing, sir? Doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me today. So the fun of the Changemakers podcast, we get to learn obviously a lot about what you're doing today, but we get to learn what started it, the spark obviously. And in your case, it started all the way in Australia. So give us a little bit of your childhood growing up in Australia. Definitely. So I, I grew up in uh, Outback Australia. So uh, I was only talking to somebody yesterday. They said, where are you from? I said, do you know where anything to do with Australia? Usually people know like Sydney and Melbourne, and uh, which are on the East Coast. Uh, I grew up uh, yeah, about nine hours from one of the main cities in Australia. So basically in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but beautiful place to grow up uh, and grew up there, obviously, with my family. Um, music was a big part of my life early on. Um, loved uh, playing the piano, learning how to play the piano. Um, and then as, as time went on, uh, I actually went away for two years, uh, not playing the piano, uh, not learning music. Um, and it was actually two of the most challenging years of my life uh, that I look back on now. I didn't realize this connection between stopping playing and, and a challenging time that I had growing up um, as a teenager. Um, but then as I, as I came back to us, I continued to to write then and, uh, and and write my own music, which was amazing to be able to help me through the own challenges that, that I had personally. Uh, and then as time went on, I, I ended up uh, embarking on a, on a coaching course um, after a, a pretty significant moment happened in my life. Uh, it was in mid-2010 and I, I heard a neighbor screaming out one night from across the road and another neighbor and I went across to see what was going on and if she was okay and uh, she had just found her son had committed suicide earlier that day uh, in that afternoon and um, we ran through the house and out to the backyard to find that a mother lie you know, with a with a son lying in her arms uh, so that was a a, a pretty uh, dramatic time and I can't even begin to imagine what that family went through resulting of that uh, but out of that for me personally I I, I realized that uh, here I was living an okay life and there's people that need help what the hell am I doing about it? And so I, a few months later, I enrolled in a coaching course. Uh, really, it was just to help some people to overcome their challenges to begin with. Uh, but it turned into this beautiful international movement that's you know, impacting millions of people around the world through the, the music I create, through the talks I deliver and, and coaching I do, which um, I, I kind of had the dream when, when uh, way back then. But I think when it comes when things come to fruition, it's uh, it's even more magical. So yeah, that's a bit about where things came from. Well, and and let's go back a little bit to the music and where it started. I think it's fascinating that just you know in the rural parts of Australia. I mean, in many cases, you had to learn through um, phone and, and you know limited technology to be able to do that. And then ultimately, you um, wrote your first song and submitted it, and you ended up winning kind of third place in a contest. But it puts you in front of a very powerful group that kind of launched your musical career. And, and that video ended up getting 
well over a million views. So share a little bit just on that music side, kind of what led to this journey of, of starting, especially with the kind of anti-bullying song and, and, and where that led to, to create this catalyst. Yeah, there were, I mean, there were a few different few different moments, as as you mentioned there. I, I while I had uh, a beautiful and amazing uh, piano teacher in person uh, in grade twelve, I think yeah, in grade twelve, I I learned singing, and it was done through the phone because we didn't have a singing teacher in the town that I grew up in uh, or close to. Um, so that was a, an an interesting experience, and I think an interesting experience in in how technology can allow us to experience things in ways that we couldn't otherwise experience. And I think the beautiful thing about that is that continues to evolve and grow as, as our technology, technological advances continue to grow as well. Uh, but as, yeah, as time went on, I, I wrote a song. Um, it was one of my, one of my first, first songs and that, uh, that came third in a competition that was a, a, a great experience. And, and as time went on, it was actually in mid 2010 when uh, when I wrote that song about bullying and suicide around the time when uh, when that suicide happened across the road. Um, and again, had no idea that that would that would impact so many people around the world. It's at you know at the time of us having a having a conversation today, it's at about 1.8 uh, 1.8 million organic views now on on YouTube alone, and um, been used by countless. Uh, people in schools and dance projects and right. short films in help in terms of helping them tell their own story and uh, about the issues and the challenges that they're going through and so that's been uh, like i said a, an amazing an amazing realization that uh, the, the power of that music has to be able to create change the power of that technology has as well to be able to reach people that you would not have otherwise been able to reach because you know that that song and, and video has been viewed by people in, in 195 countries now um, and by people that, yeah, I, I will never have a chance to meet but has inspired them in some way. So I think there's there's some beauty in in, in realising and understanding that technology, when, when we use it purposefully, uh, you know, the way that a lot of people are using it at the moment is it's creating disconnection uh, in their lives and allowing them to feel more isolated versus uh, feeling more connected. Uh, but I, I, I've experienced the opposite. And uh, I, I, I love that I get to share that with people now because uh, yeah, when, when we use technology in a really purposeful way, I, I truly believe that we have the power to, to create solutions to our world's greatest challenges faster than we've ever been able to before. And, and carry that forward to you then physically, because I think it's one thing on the music side um, to be a catalyst. And then I think it's kind of neat the way you kind of fell into, or I guess you were uh, shaved your head into philanthropy a little bit too, in the sense of um, you used to have you know longer hair and you shaved it all off to help raise money. Um, Let's not say longer hair. It was it was a full on afro, man. <laughs> uh, people can go and have a look at the, you, you can put a, a link in the, in the show notes to the about page. You can see the afro there. It was, uh, yeah, two years without a haircut. And, uh, yeah, well, I probably won't grow it again because, uh, you know, the, the hair is starting to thin out a little bit now. It's, uh, uh, I'm not sure how good it would look now, but, yeah, it was a, it was a full-on afro. Um, but, yeah, the, I mean, that, that, was, that was the first time of, of uh, an understanding of giving back. I, I raised money to, uh, in Australia, we have a thing called Shave for a Cure, which uh, raises money for, uh, for cancer research. And so I did that um, one year. Uh, which was amazing to do and, and gave me my first taste of what it means to uh, to do something for others versus just for myself. Um, and that led to a uh, well, what has been, especially these last 18 months around the world, has been 
many projects to give back around sustainability and um, deforestation and helping to raise awareness around things that are happening in the world that uh, hopefully will inspire people to, again, create change and uh, make our world a better place. And I think that's the, the cool side of this is that, you know, you always knew you wanted to make a difference. And then at an early age, it's like, well, how do I do that? And then you realize, okay, wait a second. Now I can combine my music, my love of music, my songwriting, my singing, and that can be a conduit. And like you said, leveraging technology to share that, to help inspire and help those who are going through a very difficult circumstance or difficult time. And then on the other side of it is physically getting engaged. So in other words, it's one thing to take your your God-given talents, your gifts, to be able to, to use that on a musical front, but then to step in and say, okay, now, like you're saying, now I'm going to take that next step and physically immerse myself. And you're obviously starting with shaving your head for cancer research, but but ultimately, like you said, getting your your sleeves rolled up and getting dirty, getting your hands dirty, and going out there and and physically becoming active in these issues uh, takes it to a whole new level. So So talk about kind of that that convergence if you will using the music but the physically getting involved but like you said traveling around the world and doing it that's a whole different element is now you're doing it with different cultures different people and trying to uh obviously learn a tremendous amount about yourself in the process yeah I, i'm and I'm, I'm always been a believer in uh being a living and breathing example of what i speak and coach on um so that goes back to yeah some of the things that i did early on but um, then it was about, well, I, I want to showcase the, the power that technology has to bring people together um, and to leverage our impact in the world. So it resulted in me um, selling everything that I owned in late 2016 and, and embarking on this, this global quest around the world. Um, and again, I, I, I didn't have uh, an absolute clear representation of exactly what was going to happen. And I, I think that's the beauty of, of our lives is that when we combine uh, a sense of curiosity about what's possible. Uh, it, it allows us to be knowing what outcome we're wanting to experience, but not having to know exactly how we're going to get there um, because we can't possibly know how we're going to get there because we're going to be continually exposed to new external environments that we have never been exposed to before, especially when you're living more and more time outside of your comfort zone. Uh, there are all of these experiences that are unknown. And so the beauty about that is when you go into this with a sea of curiosity, uh, it allows you to open up to those sea of possibilities uh, and allow you to grow faster than you would have ever been able to before versus holding on to something as to an ideal as to how you're wanting it to go. Um, I had no idea, you know, so just some of the things over the over the 18 months, I became a National Geographic Explorer. You know, there were well over a million organic views of the videos alone from the journey. Um, there were sustainability projects in uh, that I that I created stories for through videos in Colombia and uh, Argentina and uh, Costa Rica uh, and other uh, beautiful places like that. There was a a video that I that I created uh, that showcased the beauty of Colombia with uh, rainforests and waterfalls and beaches that. Um, uh, using a drone and at the start of the journey I didn't even have a drone it got delivered to me in January when I moved to Costa Rica uh, <laughs> because it, did, it didn't arrive in time and, and yet just eight months later I had a video that went viral that's you know had well over 800,000 organic views on Facebook alone now uh, being used by Sophia Vergara's team to, to help uh, with one of the uh, releases they had on on, the, on her platforms to there's a documentary that's about to use some of the content so like I, I look at all of those things and I think at I created this video at the start of the journey that said something like, uh, and I'm going to capture the beautiful sights and sounds of the world as I, as I go on this epic journey. Um, there was no detail about it whatsoever uh, because I didn't have the, the ability to know that detail yet. 
Uh, and that's why I think about this, this uh, ability to uh, utilize curiosity to then uh, make a greater impact in the world because that, that video was then used in a, in a talk that I delivered to, it was about 700 people in Canada last year um, where I had a grand piano on stage and delivered that talk where uh, it was talking about how to make a greater impact and how we can utilize these technologies. Um, I think that's just a, a beautiful display of how when we uh, surrender ourselves to that sea of curiosity, surrender ourselves to that uh, universal connection uh, while still executing very fast because you know what you're wanting to experience and you're curious about how you can get there. And when you've landed on how you're going to get there, you go there very fast because there's a clear direction as to the way that you're going. What's interesting, I just re recently reread The Alchemist, the book, and mm. there's a lot of kind of this just putting yourself out there, following the the natural course and uh, following the omen, so to speak, in terms of the book. But um, you know that that freedom of curiosity, that freedom of following your your heart and your dreams. I'm just curious on your standpoint, though. I mean, how how much of it? I mean, obviously, most of it was like you said, it just kind of came about. Did you have a plan though in terms of saving up enough money? I mean, I know you said you basically sold off everything and you got rid of almost everything you owned. Um, but but how much of a plan actually was there? And, and did you save up money? I mean, was it one of those where you just said no, let's throw it out there and let's just see? Or how much of it actually was planned out on your end? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, I there, there was absolutely partly planned out. Uh, I, I knew I knew what I what I wanted to um, show the world which was that you can use technology to speed up the impact that you can make, that you can build relationships from anywhere in the world, uh, that you don't need things to be happy. They were the kind of the outcomes that I was wanting to, uh, wanting to showcase in the world because they were three things that I had come to realize were uh, extremely powerful um, in addition to the, the, the sea of curiosity as well. I had just started to realize the power of that. Uh, and I think the, the beauty about uh, when it comes to that sense of surrender is about consciously guiding your curiosity. Uh, so yes, while I still uh, ran a coaching company, so I spoke, I still spoke in, across the four continents and had speaking engagements in those four continents, but I didn't speak as much as what I had in previous years because uh, <laughs> you know, I was out in the rainforest right. at times. So you know, to, to speak to maybe some, some uh, animals or something like that, it's, uh, yeah, there, was, uh, there wasn't the opportunity to do that as much, but I continued to coach people virtually, which I continue to do now helping them break through. Uh, so there were still coaching clients that I had in Australia and Canada and other parts of the world. Um, so that continued on and that, that was the way in which I knew that I could continue doing what I was doing uh, in, this, in this project uh, because I knew that there was a way to generate clients, there was a way to convert those clients, there was a way to serve them in the best way possible and allow them to get amazing results. So um, there was absolute certainty in that, uh, which is what allowed the, the curiosity to be there. And I think that's really important is You've got to have a sense of certainty about uh, where it is that you are uh, to allow yourself to play in the unknown because uh, our, our core mechanism is survival. And if you, if you feel completely uh, unsafe, uh, then the chances of you reverting back to survival instincts, which is uh, fight or flight, uh, it, it increases. So having the certainty, whether it's backing yourself, whether it's backing yourself because you've got money uh, in place, whether you're backing yourself because you know that you're going to be able to produce the results, uh, you've got to have, I feel anyway, this sense of certainty about the, the way in which you're going. That Don't confuse that with having to know all the answers though, uh, because having to know all the answers means you will never move. 
uh, it's perfectionism. And perfectionism never comes to fruition because nothing ever becomes perfect. Uh, that's the beautiful thing about our world is that everything is imperfect. Uh, and so when you understand that uh, the certainty needs to come from that element of backing yourself in some way, shape or form uh, to then be able to play in the unknown and be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh, one of the great things that one of my mentors once said years ago now, which is the quality of your life will be in direct correlation with the amount of uncertainty you can handle. And I love that because yeah. really what it's saying is that the quality of your life will be in direct correlation with the amount of time you spend outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Because inside of your comfort zone is where everything is that you already know, which is not going to get you anywhere else. Right. It's going right. to keep you stuck. Well, I, I think both of those pieces are, are major bits of uh, very valuable advice. Talk about, you know, on your end, the traveling, but also the fact, I, I like the fact that you live everything you're talking about. So you started as a vegetarian, now you're 100% plant-based um, in terms of your diet. H how do you maintain that traveling as much as you do? That's a pretty strict diet to be able to manage. But on your end, you know, obviously it, it goes with your philosophy on life. So talk about that side of it as well, just your diet and how you stay physically fit and uh, where, you, where you draw your energy. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It, I mean, it's a, it is a big part of my life. It's uh, it, it's a big part of my belief system as well, because you know, especially going out to these different places and realizing and understanding that uh, the biggest cause of deforestation is from cattle ranching, like in the Amazon, for example. Um, so, I, you know, for me personally, if I can find an alternative um, to that that tastes as good or better, that is as good for me, uh, but better, and is also better for the planet as well. Uh, then that's just a logical thing for me to do. Uh, but yeah, it, it does take more planning. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, there's uh, each place that I've I've moved to. Uh, I there's a few few different prerequisites for. Uh, often there'll be a grand piano in the apartment that I'm living in, or the house that I'm living in um, that I'm leasing. Uh, there'll be a good kitchen where I can actually buy my food um, and make food for myself rather than having to eat somewhere else. Um, so that's that's you know, often a, a big part of it. Um, but then as uh, with the different uh, projects that I've, that I've embarked on and uh, usually it's partnered up with a different organization, um, I will be asking them and, and asking them questions ahead of time uh, before I actually go there and before we embark on the project, is this uh, okay for us to do? Um, is, is there going to be options for me to be able to eat, for example? Um, so that, you know, while there's been some really re rural places like a sea turtle project in Costa Rica and uh, up in the Sierra Nevada de Santa Marta in, uh, in Colombia in the middle of the rainforest and uh, just uh, mountains all around and waterfalls and all that kind of stuff, uh, I, I knew ahead of time that my, my food preferences were 100% going to be taken care of. Um, so that, that's happened across the board. So yeah, it does take extra planning, but when, when it's, uh, again, it comes down to, well, what is aligned to my beliefs and how can I make sure that I'm living and breathing that every single day? That's right. Uh, so that's, so that's from a, uh, from an eating point of view, from a, uh, from a, from a, uh, an exercise point of view, uh, as I've, as I've traveled, uh, yoga has been, yoga has become a big, a big part of my life, um, as well as meditation, uh, I also take time where I only had this yesterday. So I, I took a completely technology free day. Um, this is after like we had a massive launch of a, 
we, we may talk about this shortly, but it's a, a video that included people from 40 countries around the world. Yep. It was a mammoth project that, uh, that was to do with the, the talk in Italy. And, uh, and yeah, there, there's an element of ex exhaustion that came after that of, of living <laughs> for a period of time on a very much adrenaline and uh, you know, just a, a massive workload. Um, so yesterday I, I took completely free from technology. I call it tech and time free days where I don't even know what time it is. Uh, let alone free of technology, and I do whatever I feel like doing. So yesterday, there was actually a lot of sleep. Um, then there was a, a walk around the city as well, and just being there in the moment, not needing to know what time it was, not needing to know uh, what's the latest on social media, um, just allowing myself to recharge. And I needed that so much. And um, I think as we are exposed to new levels of uh, and increasing levels of stimuli through the use of technology, for me especially, um, and I know for a lot of those listening in will be the same, is that we are being exposed to an extreme amount of stimuli now through the use of technology, uh, through the use of social media. And if we're not consciously managing that, it can end up wearing us down because there's no time to recharge. There's no time to replenish that energy. The beautiful thing about, about sustainable management of energy is that you've got to expend that energy, but you've also got to replenish that. Um, and so, you know, taking that tech and time free time is, is, is incredibly valuable for me personally. Um, I've also just started floating as well. So float tanks, um, which has been amazing uh, for a, a quick, uh, completely, uh, complete sensory deprivation uh, where there's no sound, there's no, uh, there's no visual um, and there's no uh, gravity either because you're floating uh, in, in, the, in that water. Um, so that's been that's been amazing as well. So I'm, I, I consistently look for ways in which I can hack my own energy to um, allow myself to get the most out of myself and allowing myself to then serve in the best way possible. So there's there's actually so we're we're in Memphis. I don't know that I've ever heard of a float tank. That's pretty cool. So so basically you're you're just floating in like a pool or floating in a swimming pool and just kind of using that to calm. Is that kind of the idea? Ah, so so yeah, so float float tanks. I mean, they are relatively new. Um, I'm in Denver and Colorado right now, uh, and so there's a number of number of facilities here. So there's facility setups, and there's pods or cabins that you're that you go into, and you're you have this uh, you know pre stuff that you do, and you get in there, and it, it, like there's a huge amount of the what I assume is like the Epsom salt type of, of stuff where you're you're sitting there and you're actually floating, so you can't really sink. It's it's that right. it's that buoyant. It's that buoyant, and um, you close down, and there's there's no lights whatsoever. You can choose. Uh, with the place that I've gone to anyway. You can have music on if you want or you can have it completely silent. Um, you have these earplugs that go in to, to keep that, that water out and keep the sound out as well. Um, and yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's complete sensory deprivation, uh, which, is, uh, which is beautiful. Again, beautiful to be able to do if you are... It's like uh, you know, meditation on steroids where uh, you know, if you're meditating, you might be sitting there, but there's other sounds coming in and there's other... Um, other uh, uh, things coming through your senses, whereas in a in a float tank, it's uh, yeah, it, it is complete complete sensory deprivation, uh, which allows you to replenish that from an energy point of view. Um, I believe there are some other other health benefits as well, but for me personally, it's it's been very much, especially through this uh, this period of of, the, of this launch, where I haven't had much time. I think that's the good thing about it um, is finding things that allow you to get the most out of your time as possible. Um, and that's, that's what it is for me, you know, 90 minutes there and you walk out feeling pretty light and, uh, um, and ready to take on whatever's, whatever's coming up your next. So let's talk about the thriving collective. This is uh, you're the founder of this organization and, um, there's events, there's all sorts of different dynamics. The website is thrivingcollective.com. 
talk about that and then we'll switch over and talk about, as you said, the, the 40 different countries and the project that you guys are working on now and just re recently released. So talk about the Thriving Collective overall though. Yeah, it's, I mean, the mission of the Thriving Collective is very much about inspiring people to make a greater impact in the world uh, and yeah, really showing how it's done. So there's, uh, there's, there's a few key elements to it. There's the speaking that, that I do personally um, through uh, different talks and the multi-sensory experiences that I give on stage through the use of a piano, on a grand piano on stage, the film footage of mine from around the world, uh, and then, uh, and then the, uh, the actual education component of that. Uh, whether it's talks about high performance, creativity, emotional intelligence, uh, those types of topics and how we can really thrive in a digital age. Um, there's the coaching that that's done. So there's breakthrough days that I personally do with, uh, with uh, high performing clients around the world, helping them to really break through to that next level. Uh, what you find is that um, you know, as, as you guys tuning in, uh, as you are exceeding the levels that you believe you're unconsciously worthy of, which will, as a high performer, will continue to happen at a rapid rate because you are constantly stepping up to that next level of excellence. Uh, we tend to exceed that level we believe we're worthy of. And if we're not careful, we'll either uh, sabotage our efforts. The, the key is, though, to shift and up-level our thinking. Um, so that's what the, I mean, that's what the overall organization is all about. And it's definitely what happens within the, within the coaching. Uh, and then the, the third component to the, to the company are, are the projects that, um, that again, show how it's done. So that was the, the 18 month project. It was the, the latest one with the, the people with 40 countries around the world, um, which included the, the talk in, in Italy. Um, and it really is, it's, it's uh, uh, in, in implementing projects that uh, showcase how uh, the, the the topics that I speak and coach on come to fruition, uh, so that it gives people a, a living and breathing example of what it looks like, um, and allows uh, allows some you know, really cool people to get involved around the world to um, utilize their own unique talents and strengths to uh, to be a part of something greater than themselves. So I think that's a, a beautiful thing to be able to gift people is uh, allowing them to to be a part of something greater than themselves, which gives uh, life meaning um, and, and a greater sense of purpose. And so, you know, give a, put a little bit more meat on that in terms of th there is still time, um, 80 strangers, 40 countries, one message. Talk yeah. about, you know, taking that, what, what is your, I don't say your, your end goal, but I mean, what, what do you hope, well, describe it a little bit more and then describe what you hope that, that really it, it accomplishes. What are, what are your goals with it? Sure thing. Uh, yeah, massive, massive project. I don't think I realized how big, the big it was until, uh, until it all, all came to fruition. So, um, earlier this year, I, I was invited to, to give the closing talk at Italy's largest TEDx event. Uh, it was going to be my first time uh, traveling to Europe alone, uh, let alone Italy. So love that it was for that that purpose specifically. Uh, and uh, the, the talk that I delivered was very much about uh, the surprising power of curiosity and how when we, uh, like what we've talked about, when we blend that with technology in today's day and age, uh, we can speed up and magnify our creativity, our innovation and our impact in the world. Uh, and again, I, I had many stories from the last 18 months uh, of, of this uh, framework and this, this uh, idea that I had uh, being extremely powerful, but I wanted to really demonstrate it in a, in a specific project and uh, to really bring it to life. And so, uh, so I ended up uh, working secretly with uh, over, over the four months leading up to the event, uh, secretly worked with more than 80 people from 40 countries around the world. Uh, to produce a music video. Uh, it was to one of the songs that I wrote uh, while traveling the world last year. I, I wrote it after spending time living in the Colombian rainforest. Uh, and uh, when I moved to Argentina, I had a, a grand piano in the apartment there and, and, and wrote that song uh, within the first week of, of, uh, of living there. 
And so we uh, we pulled this together. People recorded their uh, their part of the video and uh, audio in their studio and the video out wherever they wherever they wanted to go in the world. Um, so we had people record in front of mountains and rivers and castles and ruins and all these other crazy locations in uh, in countries like Japan and South Korea and Jordan and Macedonia and Venezuela and Argentina and uh, many many other places around the world. Uh, so amazing to to have that, all that come together for, for my part in the video, we, we actually transported a, a grand piano to a place called Garden of the Gods in Colorado, uh, which is this beautiful red rock formation with mountains off in the distance. Uh, we did that, uh, transported it at sunrise to, to film with a commercial drone videographer and uh, close-up video uh, cameras as well to, um, to really pull it all together. And we, we brought that into a uh, an animated split screen video uh, that you know shifted and changed and evolved throughout the throughout the song uh, and that played on the big screen while I played the song live on a grand piano at the event um, so it was remarkable to do nobody knew it was happening uh, aside from the organizers uh, of the of the event and even though they only saw the video uh, for the first time I think about two or three days before the event uh, so it was kept very, very secret and, and I wanted to keep it that way. They, they knew it was going to be something extraordinary because I gave them some updates. Uh, but uh, yeah, people didn't, people didn't actually see it outside of, uh, outside of the artists and outside of the people that were actually working on the project, which again, I just wanted to keep it that way because I wanted to show how technology really can be used in, in a really amazingly remarkable way, um, and e even when nobody even knows about it. Um, so it, it was a great demonstration of that, a great demonstration of how curiosity uh, works because for me back in, I was living in Mexico at the time when dreaming up what we could create with this and it was about giving myself the space to create first and foremost. Uh, that's the biggest part first and foremost of, of allowing these ideas to come into fruition uh, rather than forcing the ideas that magic flows through you rather than you trying to create it um, and all of a sudden you know, these ideas came through about how I could uh, how I could bring this idea to fruition, and a really important part of that is is asking powerful questions to be able to guide that curiosity, um, to be able to guide it in a way and in a direction that you're wanting it to go, without again needing to know exactly how it's going to come to fruition. Um, so yeah, that's that, that was the the major part of the project, and now um, the the video uh, released on its own as a music video, uh, which is the song called "There Is Still Time," and. Um, it really is off the notion that there is still time for us to turn things around. It's just going to take each and every one of us to take responsibility for that and uh, utilize our talents and strengths to to make an impact and and make a difference in our in our own unique way. Um, it doesn't have to be through music. It can be through business. It can be through uh, through the development of something completely different. It can be a, a technology that you build. Um, but it really is going to take each and every one of us to take that responsibility to uh, to turn things around. Um, and so, yeah, you know, the ultimate. The ultimate goal, the ultimate hope is that uh, that uh, people utilize uh, the power of curiosity in purposeful ways, uh, combine that with technology to speed up the rate at which we ultimately uh, evolve as a human race um, and, uh, and live more in alignment with our planet to um, allow us to uh, thrive for many, 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 many generations to come. Uh, because at the moment where we're, we're, I mean, it's pretty straightforward to see we're living out of alignment with our planet. Um, and yes, we might be able to reach other planets, uh, but is that are we going to get there in time before we've destroyed what we've got here? Um, and is that going to allow us to really thrive at 
a level of excellence that uh, I believe only really comes when we're living in alignment with our uh, with our surroundings, with our universe. Um, so, you know, I, I would I would much rather see uh, us as a human race uh, being better stewards of the planet uh, and thriving at the same time. Because I, you know, I, I want to travel to other planets before I before I finish up at this lifetime, right? I want to I want to see and experience those amazing things that happen when we explore in a way that. Um, is in alignment with our universe versus out of alignment. So that's you know the ultimate. It's a it's a pretty um, uh, utopian uh, type of vision, but um, you know every step counts, and uh, you know hopefully this is a a big part of that. So what have you give us maybe a couple of things? I mean, obviously you've learned endless amounts about people and how to inspire them and get them to to realize um, you know the, the priorities and and how to make a difference. Give us maybe a couple of left lessons that you've learned through all your travels and through your work and using technology and the music. What are some things that you've learned, especially in other countries and different cultures? You know, how do we work together? How do we live together? How do we create together? How do we become more curious and creative? But how do we, like you said, become better stewards of the environment? What are what are some lessons that you've learned? Give us just maybe a few top ones that come to mind. Yeah, the first one that comes to mind as, as you were talking then is is uh, one that I've I've really understood for for a number of years now, uh, but it's it's solidified again through throughout these experiences around the world, um, and it's and it's becoming your own best friend. Um, if if you are not your own best friend, um, here's a few things that happen. Uh, first up, uh, you believe you're not enough unconsciously, which means that you need external things, external sources um, to know and validate your worth. Um, that comes in the form of relationships. It comes in the form of materialistic things. It comes in the form of a business, for example. The thing is, is that if, if your worth is based on the external world, then you are requiring yourself to manipulate that external world in order to fit into that external world, to, in order to um, have that value. So it can end up being, uh, this is where things like narcissism come in, where I'm, you know, people are manipulating relationships to... Uh, to get that validation back about how good somebody is, for example. Um, it can come in the form of other manipulation of relationships. It can come in the form of uh, needing to buy things to prove my worth, cars, houses, boats, uh, you know, those materialistic things to show my value versus knowing that I am the value and those external things become an enhancement of that rather than a filling of a void for something internally that I believe I don't have. Um, so I think that, like, I, I believe that a, a, a huge amount of the, the greatest challenges that we're being exposed to right now come from that, uh, from that sense of, of uh, lack, uh, is that I don't believe unconsciously I'm enough, therefore I need to prove that, and that comes in at the expense of the planet. Uh, so, uh, you know, for me, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm all about still buying things and experiencing things and all of that but do it in a way that is uh, purposeful, that is conscious, that is in alignment with why you're actually here rather than using it to fill some form of void. Uh, so that, and that kind of leads into the second point, which I'll come up to in a moment, uh, but really becoming your own best friend because that way you don't need anything else or anyone else to know that you're enough. You're enough and you're whole and complete internally and then all of a sudden this beautiful world of ours just becomes an extension of that. You don't need to overpower anything. You don't need to uh, squash anything. You don't need to do anything external to people or things or, or situations to, to prove that worth. It just becomes a, an extension of, of who you are. So that's, that's probably the, the biggest lesson because that 
everything else I believe flows from that. Um, and then I think the other part, which I, I uh, lent it to a moment, a moment ago is, is knowing why you're here is that sense of purpose is, uh, you know, it's one thing to, to have, uh, that best friend nature to you, which is a beautiful place to start because all of a sudden you're coming from a pure place, uh, rather than a place of lack. Uh, which is, well, why am I here? Oh, I need to succeed here and I need to succeed here. It's, well, I know that I'm enough already. So now why am I here? That, that, that's a beautiful different place that you're coming from in that moment. Uh, and, and if you're able to come from that space, uh, asking that question of, well, why am I here and how could I make a greater impact in the world? What is that sense of purpose that I have? Uh, giving yourself the space to be able to allow that answer to come into existence. And notice that I mentioned it's not about creating that answer. It's not about uh, coming up with that answer. It's allowing that answer to flow through you. Um, I learned this uh, many years ago through the music that I create, which is that when I try to write a song, I'm really bad at it. <laughs> but when I allow that music to be written through me, somehow magic happens. And if you look at and listen to the stories of the greatest creators and the greatest geniuses of our time, they're simply a vehicle for those ideas, for those creations to flow through them. When we learn how to co-create with the universe, because at the end of the day, science is even proving this now, that we are, everything is connected. And so if everything is connected, then why wouldn't we do things and allow space for that connection to flow through us? And that's another that really, really valuable lesson because when we try to, and like almost force things to come into existence, then it's almost like we're going against the very thing that created us in the first place, this universe. Now, whether you call that God or if you're religious or spiritual or scientific in the form of just the universe is, um, and, and this is how it created through the Big Bang, like there is a, a universal intelligence, whether you, whatever you want to call it, right? So why not be attached to that universal intelligence rather than separating from that? Um, I, I, yeah, that is just a beautiful way to create and I found the, the most magical things have flown through as a result of that uh, versus when I try to write a, <laughs> try to write a song or try to create a business idea or, or a concept or marketing strategy um, and it all falls to shit. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, how do you manage? I'm just thinking in terms of technology and even going back to knowing your self-worth, which I mean, I, I agree. Um, but I'm curious on your end, managing the good with the bad with technology. So in other words, being able to leverage technology for the good of inspiring others and getting them to see the issues, but how they can be a, a catalyst to be a part of the good to help um, you know, solve those problems. At the same time, though, when you've got you know, pictures of uh, everything is good and you know, I've got the greatest clothes and cars and fashion, we're all putting on this kind of facade through social media that says you're not good enough unless you have this. So in other words, yeah. you know, technology is good, but at the same time bad. And, and you look at all the politics and the, uh, the hate in many cases that gets spewed out using social media. I'm just curious, how do you use it to, to draw the inspiration and the energy and use it for good versus getting sucked into that, uh, that kind of despair or that, that cycle where social media and, and technology can also lead to negative as well. How, how do you how do you manage the positive within the negative? Yeah, I mean, this is a really important thing for us to cover because uh, for me, uh, working in this field for this long, this many years, uh, doing this as a, as a as a company and helping people through this, I still have to consciously manage my state around this because we are constantly 
being exposed to new and ever-increasing level of stimuli in different ways, different external environments. And this is where, uh, from a management point of view, uh, the first thing I'll say is that we've got to realise and understand that technology isn't the core problem here. It's simply pointing to it and magnifying it. That's, and this is what goes back to what we talked about before, is if, if I feel that I'm not good enough unconsciously, then I will have to use, uh, find myself using social media to prove that worth, which again, as you mentioned, comes the highlights reel. Uh, it, uh, it, it then, if, if, and also though, if I feel unconsciously that I'm not enough, and then I see somebody else's highlights reel, I'm gonna be starting to compare myself to that person because my focus is actually on, even though I want my focus to be on how I am enough, my unconscious focus is on how I'm not enough. And where focus goes, energy flows. And so it's, we're in a never-ending cycle. As long as we, we fail to get to the core problem as to what's playing out here, which again, at the end of the day, is that we're feeling in, uh, not whole and incomplete. Uh, if that, as long as that cycle is going on, until you realize that there is a whole and completeness there and you work on that and you develop that, and that takes time, energy, that, take, that takes effort um, to actually do, to let go of the things that are seemingly there, but uh, when, as you let go of them, you understand that they actually weren't, um, that you were whole and complete to begin with. It's just that these uh, limiting beliefs and patterns of behavior have, have formed over time. Uh, but technology is speeding up the rate at which we uncover how we really feel about ourselves. And it, it, that comes back to you've got to be managing yourself. And this comes back to emotional intelligence, understanding why is it that I'm feeling this way? And, and even more importantly, how can I do something about this? So uh, when I find myself uh, being sucked into that, that uh, field of whether there's a negativity, na negative nature to it or, uh, or scrolling through a social media feed, for example, I, I've got ways in which I can uh, remove myself from that. One of those ways is what I mentioned before is having a technology-free day, yeah. which allows me to know that I've, I'm actually the one in control here. I'm choosing, right? I'm not being chosen as to how I'm going to respond. I'm choosing how I'm going to respond to this. Uh, another is, is ensuring that I have, like for me now, I, at the start of this year, I noticed that I was, uh, the energy was being depleted too much. So I removed all the notifications from my phone. I haven't switched them back on. So I only am being spoken to when I choose to be spoken to rather than when somebody's got a notification that I have to listen to, uh, supposedly. So, uh, I, the key thing here is, is feeling and having that sense of control uh, knowing that you are the one that's choosing rather than the technology choosing you. Because at the end of the day, that's what, uh, again, I, I, like companies have got to take some responsibility for this, but we've got to take the larger responsibility for this. Because at the end of the day, they want you using their products and services more. That's just, that's just business. That's, you know, that, that's not going to change anytime soon. That's, that's just, and that's good business, right? Uh, is, is having a product or service that people want to utilize uh, that uh, make their lives better. The thing that makes the, our lives worse from the use of technology is us. <laughs> it's how we're using them. It's how we're choosing to use them, right? And so all of a sudden, that, that, that is, that, I mean, that's a couple of ways. The other thing as well, though, I, I really want to um, drive home here is, um, and I, I, I listened to this, I can't remember where I heard it. it might have been in an audio, I think it was in an audio book. I, 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 and the name escapes me. I can't remember which publication it was. Uh, but it was, it was uh, follow uh, somebody who 
believes the exact opposite to what you believe. And I found that really interesting because what's happening in our, uh, our world today is that we are, uh, uh, social media in particular, is creating these biases that is feeding us content that we uh, that reinforce the beliefs that we currently have. Right. It's forming and here's the thing. And mob mentalities. Exactly right. Exactly, exactly. And so all of a sudden we're creating this, um, this segregation and it's becoming amplified. Whereas uh, if we tune in to the beliefs that other people have that are yeah in complete contrast and they will push your buttons, right? They will push your buttons, but it's beautiful, I find, because there have been um uh you know certain belief systems that i don't believe necessarily at my core but there have been times where i've listened to and 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 uh taken in what that person has said and had me realize huh that person's actually uh reason for that at their core is also love they're just expressing it in a different way they want a sense of belonging they want a sense of meaning they're just expressing it in a, in a completely different way to the way that I would choose to express it. And so when we realize that uh, from, you know, you mentioned about togetherness and, and diversity, right? It, I mean, that, that's really, that's, to me, that's an extremely important thing because if we continue down this road of you're right, I'm wrong, you're, I'm right, you're wrong. And anything that you say is completely inadequate and completely wrong. That's just going to create more division rather than uh, seeing where somebody's coming from and seeing how we can work together to create a solution. Um, and I mean, that was a, a big, another big reason of, of creating the, the music video for There's Still Time. You know, we had people from all different religions, all different belief systems, genders and um, color and all, all these other uh, division that is created in the world. We, we created that in a way to show that you know, regardless of our differences, we are stronger together. Um, and it does take, it is going to take for each and every one of us to, uh, to again, utilize these technologies in a way that, uh, that, can, that can help to advance our, our ability and our impact in the world, but at the same time, have compassion for the world and compassion for people in the world uh, and, and the way that they're experiencing it at the moment. Well, I think just, you know, key takeaways on everything you said, the power of knowing your purpose and, and staying focused, that that's huge. And then also too, to your point, the more you travel, the more you meet people, um, you realize, you know, we're, we're all grounded in love. And like you said, we may choose to show that a different way that may not be the same as uh, I would show it or you would show it. But once you start getting to know people, you realize that we're way more alike than we are different. And uh, that becomes the common ground to work from. Let's go ahead and switch over. We, as we kind of wrap up, because we're running close on time, is we just call it a lightning round. But basically, I just ask a few short questions and you give me just kind of short answers. It's just a fun way to get to know you a little bit better. But um, let's start with what's a recent book that you've read? Uh, recent book I've read is, uh, I've reread The Way of the Superior Man, uh, David Dieter, which is an amazing book. Um, the other one that I, I, I really want to uh, mention because it's been amazing um, is Loop Tale by Bruce Poontip. It's a little while ago that I read it now, but it's still been an amazing book in, in social, uh, social entrepreneurship um, and uh, being able to build an ex extraordinary company while making an impact at the same time. I'm not going to ask you to fic, uh, pick your like favorite spot because you've traveled to so many places, but give us maybe one or two of your favorite highlights in terms of a country, a city, uh, even a, a physical destination. But where, give us some of your favorite spots that you visited. I mean, Colombia just stands out big time because it challenged the absolute hell out of me um, uh, in terms of those contrasting experiences where I saw, you know, because we went to places where there was 
trees being cut down in front of my eyes and mining companies moving into pristine areas of jungle. And so it's experiencing that contrasting experience of, of majestic beauty of a country, uh, but also the, the uh, destruction that's happening some places as well. Um, that was a, a, yeah, a really uh, challenging experience of ha having me step up to a new level of excellence of being able to stay optimistic in the face of uh, uh, <laughs> crazy stuff happening. What, um, are you someone that when you talk about inspiration, especially writing your music, is it late at night, early in the morning, middle of the day? Where, where does inspiration usually happen to you or when does inspiration usually happen? Yeah, I'm so different to what most what people call musicians. I, I don't really see myself as a musician anymore because I'm uh, more of a storyteller. But I, you know, for me, the early, early in the morning, I'm, I'm easily the most creative. Uh, late at night, yeah, I'm, I'm usually asleep ready for the next day. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, usually early, early morning, I love being up early, uh, love getting stuff done, love being creative in that space and know that, um, yeah, that's definitely my, my space there. What's, uh, it doesn't have to be a celebrity, but give us someone in particular that you've enjoyed meeting or had the pleasure or honor of meeting. Uh, I mean, I, I met Tony Robbins br very briefly, um, and uh, he's been an amazing inspiration, an amazing uh, mentor of mine for many, many years. Um, have a huge amount of respect for the guy. What's a, a favorite meal? I know you're famous for your green uh, shakes or your green smoothies, but what, what's a favorite meal for you? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really uh, pretty basic at the moment, though. I, I absolutely love roasted vegetables. Uh, and, uh, you know, my, my Latin American, uh, time is, uh, is coming where I have like lots of different beans and stuff like that. Uh, so absolutely love that at the moment, but I, I'm, I'm just about to get back into, there's a, a chickpea, a chickpea omelet or pancake that I, I used to make that, uh, I was just talking with a friend a few days ago, uh, uh that just reminded me, I thought, right, I'm, uh, I'm going to be making that again because that's a, an absolutely amazing meal. Give us one or two either um, websites or just technology that you avidly use that you think people definitely need to know about. Outside of Facebook, you know, Instagram, Twitter, the basics, what are, what are some other ones that you really like to use? Uh, so, I, I mean, I use Slack for, uh, for managing from a team point of view. Um, so we keep all of, our, all of our communication in there. That's an amazing tool. Um, in terms of the video component, I mean, this is just after um the the release of this of this uh massive video uh frameo which is like frame.io um is a is a tool to be able to manage your video editing with if you've got a video editor like we had i've got someone over in macedonia and another person over in uh, over in the uk so being able to give feedback um really easily at the specific points of a of a video extremely powerful tool when you're stepping in, especially on the consulting side, what's one question that you really like to ask people and in terms of starting point, looking for their curiosity, getting the most out of their life, their business? What, what's one question you like to start in or, or you know, just ask in general? What's one, one of your favorite uh, questions? It's good. I, I, you know, once, once we've really uncovered like a limit of some description, so, uh, you know, uh, let, let's say it's like, you know, I, I really struggle to, to trust people or uh, feel that people are judging me or, uh, you know, I don't feel like I'm, I'm respected. Uh, you know, one of the questions I love asking is when did that first start? Uh, because often what will happen is we'll, we'll end up getting back to somewhere in childhood. Um, usually it's somewhere between four to eight years of age, um, but sometimes often in, in teenage years or adult years, we, we will get that, that first initial question allows us to get back to maybe a, a moment five or 10 years ago. And then we go back further and further and further again until all of a sudden we get back to a specific moment where it all began. Um, and then we can we can work from there to break through those beliefs and uh, you know, bust through them and, and create new empowering beliefs and new values instead. 
I know that uh, sadly you, you recently lost your pet, but what was it like having a pet kangaroo? Oh, it was awesome, Kanga. Oh man, it was. Uh, you know, she was she was an amazing part of our lives for for many many years. Um, you know, right from when we were kids, right up until just a, just a, a few years ago. Uh, so yeah, it was it was awesome. I think when I when I live over here and I mentioned that I had a kangaroo, people can't believe it. But uh, yeah, absolutely did. It was a uh, you know beautiful. She was a beautiful creature to have. She was a, a big an important part of our lives growing up. You always see the cartoons, but did she ever kick or anything like that? Because of the powerful kicks and the jumps, <laughs> was, was there ever any boxing or anything? <laughs> she, she, she actually had a funny time. I was, I was walking out one morning out of the house, and we had this lawn area, a grass area to the left. Um, and if you could imagine, so we had a uh, like a, a mid-sized dog, uh, and and a Kanga had her two paws, so front paws, on the back of of my dog. And was uh, was was jumping up and kicking her like with a yeah with a with her two hind legs and just lashing into her like again and again and again. I've just still I've still got that moment in my mind. It was so funny just seeing she was she just she was just laying into it into the dog. So uh, I don't know, I don't know what the dog did, but uh, must have said something to to piss her off a little bit. <laughs> the dog probably <laughs> never did that again. <laughs> a valuable lesson there. So yeah. what um you know when you obviously you're creating your legacy each and every day. Um, but when you look back 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years from now, what do you hope that people say about you and your efforts? Uh, the, I mean, the big thing for me is that I, I want to be a part of the solution to the, the biggest challenges that we're experiencing right now on this, on this planet. Um, I, I would love that in, you know, like I said, 10, 20, 40, 50 years, um, that he was part of that solution, that he knew what was going on. And he could see what was going on and he actually did something about it. The last thing that I would want, and this is kind of the, the fear, I guess, or, or the, the regret that I would have is that if, if, if people looked at me in 50 years time and said, you knew, you knew the challenges that were going on, as I believe that most people know on this planet now that are going on in this planet and you did nothing, what the hell were you thinking? That was a lot. That'd be the last thing that I would want on, on you know, in terms of my existence um, to feel that I, I knew that I could have done something and I didn't actually fulfill on that. Well, where would you direct all of our listeners in terms of uh, learning more, following you online, social media, website? Where, where would you direct everyone? Yeah, I mean, two great places. So thrivingcollective.com is the website um, and you can check out all of the, the different components that we've you know, chatted about today. Um, and then social media. So, you know, your Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and other uh, social platforms. Uh, the handle is Ask Cameron Brown. So A-S-K Cameron Brown. Well, Cameron, you definitely are a change maker, a global change maker at that. And um, we have Thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. We greatly appreciate you being on the podcast and uh, definitely look forward to staying in touch. So thanks for all you do and for being a guest on Changemakers. Dude, it's been great. Thanks for having me. Really loved it today. Thank you for listening to the Changemakers podcast produced by City Current and powered by Lipscomb and Pitts Insurance. To learn more about our guests and to share your stories of others leading by example, visit us online at citycurrent.com. Connect with us online using at CityCurrent or follow the conversation using the hashtag ChangeMakers. Now, think big, start small, and act now. Be a change maker. 